Another week, another soul-rending, crushing, disappointing Vikings loss. Let's break this one down on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You liked it on three, one, two, three. You, liked it! you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where we try to learn something new every single day. I'm your host, Luke Braun. You can find this show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether it is the SiriusXM app, and you can, of course, also find live broadcasts of all the games at SiriusXM. Uh, you can also find the show on YouTube or on Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. The Vikings fall 27-20 to the Chiefs in a deeply, deeply frustrating game. Uh, going in, my, you know, I mean, a lot of us had expectations of like, hey, yeah, are they going to go beat the Chiefs? Maybe they can find a way to sneak one out, but kind of just hoping they go toe-to-toe. And they did go toe-to-toe. So if that was all you needed, you just needed to see them prove that they could kind of survive against a good team. Well, yeah, they that they made a game of it, right? And maybe that's all you needed. Uh, but as the Vikings so often do, as soon as your expectations are on the floor, they find a way to raise your hopes. It's their, their, their second best talent, and their best talent is dashing those hopes. The Vikings actually go in tied 13 to 13, actually had a lead in the first half for a brief moment, um, seemed to be moving the ball well, and then things just kind of fell apart in the second half. There's a particular streak in uh, on the last drive of the first half going into the, through the end of the third quarter where the Chiefs ran 35 plays, and just inc- that includes penalties because of the way I take notes. I, it was easier to count the penalties. So 35 total, we'll say reps, 10 plus play drives, three of them, all three scoring drives, 17 unanswered. The Vikings ran one three and out. That's the stretch that kills the Vikings here. And then they fall behind two scores and the whole fourth quarter is spent chasing. The game opens with a Josh, literally first offensive rep of the game is a check down to Josh Oliver that he actually makes a guy miss and it goes explosive. And then he puts the ball on the ground, fumble. Chiefs ball, they go score. So it's like immediately the Vikings are down 7-0 for the every game. Every every single game is the like you could hear it in my voice how frustrated I am with these fumbles. And, and a lot of people are asking, like, well, can what can they do? Who can they fire? Right? Who can they bench? Who can they get rid of? And it's I'm sorry, there is not an answer to that question. They can stop playing football. That's the only way to really guarantee no fumbles at this point. They're doing, they're drilling it as much as you, you feasibly can. Um they're making it a huge emphasis on ball security. There is nothing more, more you can do. I mean, Josh Oliver hadn't fumbled yet to this point. That was his first one. So unless you want to fire a guy before they ever fumble, just fire the whole team, actually. That's the only thing. Fold the franchise, and then you won't see any more fumbles. Um, but I think for me, this game is mostly defined by the little things, is what I will say. I think this is no better... 
exemplified than by looking at how the Vikings used their timeouts in the second half. This is going to be a huge deal in terms of Kevin O'Connell and clock management. But I don't know if calling it clock management really gets across the, the, the right idea. Blowing and wasting timeouts was not a bad decision about clock. It was a confluence of other mistakes costing them timeouts and then not having timeouts at the end make, made the clock situation at the end harder. So let's go through them all. Um, the first timeout the Vikings had to blow in the second half was because they could not get the call in correctly. And I, I'm speculating here, but it looked like their headsets didn't work again, which is what happened at the end of the Chargers game to cause that debacle at the very, very end of that game. Um, that Once again, Kirk Cousins couldn't hear it. The Vikings took too long to get out of the huddle. They couldn't get to the line of scrimmage. They had to blow, blow a timeout or take a delay of game. Um, that's just unacceptable, especially because that issue... Caused cost you dearly in a tight game last time you played at U.S. Bank Stadium. I mean, this is a home field. This should not be happening to you in your house. What happened to all the state-of-the-art equipment, right? What, like, what is going on here? But the other thing is, I think if the headset's cutting out, Kirk, you just got to take it, dog. Just call a freaking play and get the thing out. Um, It, it can't turn into a situation where the offense doesn't get to the line of scrimmage when you had an option. And I, and we know he has that option. He has said so. Kevin O'Connell has said so publicly. There is no debate. In that situation, Kirk Cousins has every right in the world to say, I'm sorry, coach, I can't hear you. I'm calling stick or whatever. We're just, just going to get up. I'm going to call zone, 18 toss, whatever. Like, so I, I guess two things there, right? Get your equipment right. And if it's not right, Kirk, come on, take over. So second one, you get the challenge. Um, and, and I think that that's a failure like operationally. So there was a third down long catch to Travis Kelsey that looked like Tr Josh Metellus had actually taken it out of his hands. It was very clearly a catch down on the ground, very clearly a catch, and then Josh Metellus ripped it out after the play was over. That was the call on the field, and it was very clearly right. With Kansas City rushing to the line because they weren't sure what the call was going to be, it felt like that rushed the Vikings process, and then Kevin O'Connell throws the challenge flag and loses the challenge, costs a timeout. The Fox truck, the TV broadcast, had that replay up immediately. You looked at it. Everybody could see that thing wasn't getting overturned, and they were able to cut back before the Chiefs were even at the line of scrimmage. If they can do it, our replay booth should be able to do it as well. Again, we should have that technology. It felt like because it was such a possibly pivotal moment in the game, a turnover with a chance to tie it, uh, that he just said, oh, I got to try. And I hate that logic for a challenge. Oh, you just got to try. Well, you're not going to win. Get the information so that you're not just pissing away resources. And then the last one comes on a crucial fourth and one uh, with the Chiefs getting up to the line and ready to go. Something was broken on defense. They didn't get their alignments in properly. We have to burn a timeout again. Get your calls into the players on time. This shouldn't be hard. And I know a couple of those were in, you know, hurry up situations, but it's all communicating information back and forth is broken. This is all problems on the sideline, making it harder for the players on the field. That cannot happen. That does not happen to everybody else. That's not normal problems. That is something that needs to be fixed immediately. And every other NFL team has no issue with it. Twice. They burn a timeout in some form of not being able to get instructions relayed to players on time. And once you can't get information relayed to the coach on time, 
So then with 67 seconds left, no timeouts, touchdown to tie it. Five pass attempts end up going here. There's some throwaways and stuff on uh, spikes, but five real pass attempts. All of them are two players that would get tackled inbounds. All of them are like inbounds plays. No timeouts, no ability to stop the clock. So they end up with a midfield Hail Mary situation and Cousins takes a sack. And the whole thing is just slow and plotting. You get a completion in bounds and, and you're kind of people are walk, going up to the sideline. They're kind of jogging and, you know, Cousins is getting is calling out the play to the to the right side, to the left side, to the line and getting all these things set. And it's like, how are you not faster at this? Other teams, we have seen teams. How many times have we seen teams on the defensive side of the ball put together 27 second drives that get down to the 20, right? But we're throwing like stick routes for five yards to the slot. Like it's first and 10 in the second quarter. Uh, it just feels like the urgency isn't there. And, and that's really what I want to talk about, which with, with Kevin O'Connell, because a lot of the critiques of O'Connell come down to the really like featured, uh, highly visible parts of coaching, like, like two point conversion decisions and fourth downs and challenge flags and all that. But that's not the job. It's part of the job of a head coach, but that's not the main job of a head coach. It's certainly part of it, and it's worth criticizing, so I'm not saying don't talk about it, but the bigger job to me, the bigger impact to me is having a vision for the team, and Kevin O'Connell's vision for the team, I call, I mean, this, he's the Beach Vibe team, right? Everything's kind of laid back, and we're all just kind of chilling, and it's it's okay, and, and, you know, everything is, we're very forgiving, and we're very nice, and it has fixed the culture of toxicity that Mike Zimmer left behind when he had a mental breakdown for two years and left, right? Um, that has been fixed. But it has generated an absolutely overwhelming lack of urgency in the Vikings. And, and maybe the kind of laid back vibe of Kevin O'Connell isn't the root cause of that. But whatever the root cause is, the Vikings aren't urgent enough. They need to be in a desperate panic going into this Bears game. They need to be playing like cornered rats. I mean, they need to be scrapping for every single ounce they can get. And it feels a little bit too much like everything's business as usual and we'll just trust the process. And he says that after the games, too. I, I, I think Kevin O'Connell needs some urgency. Uh, and, and I think that's the, the, the main critique that I come to this game with. The, the team needs more urgency. But you're probably screaming at me about the refs, right? Uh, and you're probably screaming about how, hey, it's like he's so good and it's Patrick Holmes and all that stuff. There's also uh, a, a pretty... Rough injury news we have to talk about that I haven't gotten to yet. So all of that is coming up. Today's episode is brought to you by America's number one sports book. It's FanDuel. And if you are new to Grambling, it's a great time to sign up for FanDuel. New customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place any $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Uh, so you could have done something like Justin Jefferson anytime touchdown. Five bucks on it, you wouldn't have won, but you could still uh, get that $200 in bonus bets, even though you lost that bet. So if you've been thinking of joining FanDuel, now is a great time. You can find spreads, player props, over-unders, all kinds of stuff. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, and you can kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Thanks so much to everybody who listens to this show every single day, especially when the Vikings are one and four and the, the enthusiasm drops. I appreciate those of you who are still sticking around. Uh, look, let's let me talk about the defense real quick. I talked a lot more about the defense than the offense in terms of prepping for the Chiefs. So um, 
the defense gives up 27. That's 27 is not a good game for a defense. But against Mahomes, it feels like about as much as you can expect. Uh, like, I don't know how much better this team could have done with the talent that it has. Uh, there are certainly things they could have done better. Their zone spacing wasn't great. They got beat in man coverage sometimes. They missed some tackles. But it feels like against Mahomes, like there's a third and 18 where they blitzed Mahomes. They got a QB hit on him and he throws up a, uh, he lobs up a pass falling away and it's perfectly caught over the arms of an outstretched Cam Bynum. And if Cam Bynum times his jump just a little bit later, he might have been able to get a hand on it, but it's like the margin for error is razor thin with a Mahomes pass and that's what good offenses do to you. They make it so that you cannot make single mistakes. Every single tiny little mistake was punished. That's what the Chiefs do. To beat the Chiefs, you have to be perfect. The Vikings weren't perfect. Nobody expected the Vikings to be perfect. Um, so I'm not I'm not sure about that. There was I, I also want to follow up on the little GY counter tell that I talked about on Friday. Uh, it certainly was there. I, I was sitting there going, that's counter, and it would be counter. But they did have a couple of really interesting uh, subversions to it, which sort of confirmed my theory that this was that obvious on purpose. It was like, there's no way that they just are like are accidentally like that feel. That's it's it's too consistent. They want me to see this on tape uh, by running power to the other side once, and then another one was play action. Um, I, I think both of those plays worked out pretty well too. So I'm going to guess the Vikings kind of prepared the same way I would have, which I don't know, makes me feel good as an analyst. <laughs> like if it's like, all right, well, at least I'm on some kind of right track. Right. Um, but there isn't much else for me to say about the defense. Like Caleb Evans is, was in and out of the game. He might be hurt. I thought the coverage was again, it's like as good as you can expect. Uh, but that doesn't mean it was good. Like they did get diced up by the chiefs uh, uh, through the air. Um, the run defense was pretty good, though, but they, I mean, Mahomes was Mahomes, and he did the Mahomes thing to us, and you just kind of say, okay, well, yep, that's going to be about what happens. <laughs> Instead, I want to talk about the offense, because the offense, I think, is what really let us down in this game. They had to keep up. You knew that you were going to go in, that Mahomes was going to score points. The offense had to keep up. Um, and the offensive line played really well. In this game, they were, the pass protection was fantastic. Cousins had all kinds of really long pockets to stand back there and 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 find open and find you know his go through his progressions. And everybody on the line blocked really well. Running backs blocked really well. Tight ends blocked really well. And the run game worked well too. So I thought the O line had a a really really nice one. And it and it shame it's a shame that one of the better O-line games that we've had with this group goes to waste because we couldn't get the headset to work for the second home game in a row. Get your headset to work. Holy crap, go to Radio Shack if you have to. Uh, <laughs> but then it's like, again, the little things. There was a fourth down sequence that we'll get to in more detail later, uh, a, a goal to go, or not or a red zone sequence. And second down is a screen to Alexander Madison that was perfectly blocked. Looked like he could have walked in for a touchdown and he drops it. Catch the screen, man. All this other stuff is is on the margins. You catch that screen. We're not having any of these conversations. Catch the screen. Um, there were other harder catches that weren't brought in. Justin Jefferson had a drop. TJ Hawkinson had one, I will call uh, a, a drop and a couple that were failed catches, I guess, or maybe all three you would call fail, failed catches. I, I won't get into the minutia of it. Um, a lot of them were difficult and they were placed like a lot of passes were placed highly. And you don't have to take my word for it because Kirk Cousins said the same thing on at the uh, postgame presser. A, a lot of passes were high and they made catches more difficult than they should be. But you still kind of you got to catch that. 
So not great for the pass catchers. You know, KJ Osborne had a drop. Brandon Powell had one when he had to come in for Justin Jefferson, who I guess let's talk about this. He hurts his hamstring late in the game, uh, slipping on this turf. And Travis Kelsey also hurt his ankle on this turf. Um, I didn't know this until today, but uh, Kevin Seifert reported that they do intend to change that turf out at the end of the year. I think that's long, long, long overdue. Lots of ACLs have gone on that turf. Um, Mike Williams had it happen, too, in the in the game. Uh, go all the way back to, like, 2017 Dalvin Cook, right? Like, it's way too long for uh, the Vikings to to replace that. And then as for Justin Jefferson, we'll have to see... A hamstring is the kind of thing that you'll be like questionable for three weeks and, and you'll be game time decisions a whole bunch. So it's going to be the kind of thing we have to like watch like a hawk for a few weeks now. Um, but those te- typically don't don't tend to be like long, 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 long term things. They're, you know, they linger and they're annoying and, and they're the kind of thing you kind of have to play through. And then once you get a bye week, they um, can heal up a little bit better. So and, and the severity of the the hamstring injury i do not know as of this recording so we'll just kind of have to be on that as the week progresses but again things affect this game that are of the organization not the players the headsets the turf the the replay communication systems so many things in this game let the players down who by all accounts, played a gritty game against the best team in the league. It's really disappointing. Get your headsets to work and change your turf out. This shouldn't be that hard. Um, but again, I, I'm sure you guys are still screaming about me at screaming at me about the refs, and I do have something about the refs that I want to uh, get into. So that will be next, as well as this sort of debacle at the end of the last sequence before the two-minute drill debacle. We got a lot of debacles to go over today. (laughs) This episode of Lockdown Vikings is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. It's hiring season in the fall, and that means that you have to possibly look at making some pretty risky transactions for your business, right? Hiring is risky, especially when you can only get to know so much about those people and you have 40 gajillion candidates to go through. But that is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs the number one place to get quality hires against their leading competitors. You just have to add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. That'll spread the word that you're hiring. And if you get too many applicants, they have simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience for your business and what you need specifically, which is not going to match other businesses like yours. Your business, your culture, and your needs are all a unique thing. So go to LinkedIn Jobs and make sure that if you do have a job opening, you're using LinkedIn to help you fill it. They help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's right, for free. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So after the aforementioned Alexander Madison botched screen. The next thing we have is a fourth and seven situation. They go incomplete pass on third and seven on a fade to Jordan Addison that wasn't there and and was some kind of miscommunication. And Cousins was also hit as he threw on an unblocked blitz, which we're still struggling with the same things over and over and over again. Again, urgency. You're one and four. Fix the problems. 
That brings up a fourth and seven. And once again, they cannot get the play call in in time. And they take a delay of game penalty. I'm I, like, this, it is should be so easy to do this. But once again, they fail to do it. And once again, they put themselves into a deeper hole. And now it's fourth and 12. And this fourth and 12 play is going to get zapruded to hell because there's so many other things going on on it. So let's break it down. Uh, so the Vikings drop back to pass. The Chiefs blitz. They get another unblocked blitzer on Cousins. Cousins gets walloped as he throws. Uh, his arm gets hit as he throws, and the ball wobbles into nowhere. A ref throws a flag for DPI, and then that flag gets picked up, much to the chagrin of Vikings fans everywhere. Everybody thinks it's a horrific call. I think the worst ref mistake on that 4th and 12 play was an, a missed illegal hands-to-the-face penalty on CJ Ham. It is irrefutable on replay. However, this is going to happen, guys. I, I, I'm sorry. I wish I could tell you that we can have an expectation that the refs will see every illegal hands to the face that always happens in the trenches, but they just won't. There's bodies flying in and all around. They got to have the right angles. Sometimes they're just looking at a different guy when it happens. They're like they're just they're going to miss some. It's just the way of things. It, you might not like it. I wish we had robot refs that could somehow we could train an AI to do that and get it perfect, but we don't. It's reality. Suck it up and move on. That's all I can tell you. Uh. But hey, yeah, sure. Okay. On on like we get instant replay, the refs don't have instant replay, and I don't think I want to give the refs instant replay cuz that'll grind things to a halt really bad. So I guess we have to live with calls like that. Um as for the DPI itself. So the ball wasn't tipped, which is what the Chiefs were claiming, because that would null any pass interference if the ball was tipped. It wasn't. His arm was hit, but but there was no contact with the defender and the ball. Um but it also just wasn't really catchable. And if I had to guess why they picked that flag up, they either thought that the contact was not substantial enough, which would be very strange considering a DPI that they called on Harrison Smith earlier in the game. I'll get to it. Um, but also, it just, I don't know, just doesn't feel like the kind of thing that, like, a ref threw that flag, getting talked down from it, I don't know. Because uh, it's such a subjective thing. Like they're well within their their rights to make that judgment call. So that doesn't feel like the kind of thing that they would like go back on after the fact. I think that they called it uncatchable because, um, and they didn't announce any of this or explain any of this, which I would have preferred. But um, to me, that ball was five yards away from Jordan Addison. I mean, it wobbled to nowhere, right? And Jordan Addison, you, you might argue that, hey, had he not been interfered with, maybe he could have fought in, but... I think the camera angle is honestly having a lot to do with this. Um, it, it, it was way inside of Jordan Addison. It was almost all the way to the text in the end zone, and Addison was barely in the in bounds. It was a full five yards away. So I'm not too mad at it. Here's the deal. It's a judgment call. You gotta live with it. It just is a judgment. It's it's there is a a margin for things that will and won't get called in the exact play. The exact same play will get called by one ref and not called by another. And that's just kind of the way the, the, that DPI has to exist, right? You cannot draw a hard, fast, firm line. Um, it's just impossible because there has to be some level of subjectivity to what kind of what level of contact that there is. But if you want to talk about that Harrison Smith one, um, here is a key difference. Legereus Sneed turned his head. Harrison Smith didn't. They both had fairly minor contact. But if you don't turn your head around 
and you have minor contact, even contact that the wide receiver initiates and you are just defending yourself from, if your head is still at the receiver, they are going to flag you every single time. Whether or not you think that's fair, it is just the way it is. So you got to turn your head around. I'm sorry, Harrison Smith. You got to turn your head around. That one's on you. There is, there, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Jarius Need turned his head, didn't get the call. That is the difference that I can point out to you. So two reasons why they possibly would have picked up that, that DPI on Legereus Need. But also, we're not done with this play yet. After the end of, after that play, Kevin O'Connell was freaking out on the sideline because he, he could read his lips. He said he took his helmet off because Legereus Need, in protesting against the flag that was initially thrown, takes his helmet off in frustration. That should be a 15-yard penalty. Taking your helmet off should be a 15-yard penalty on sportsmanlike conduct. Two problems with that. One, it happened after the play. So, already was Chiefs ball. It would have been a half the distance to the goal from the, uh, the, the original spot, and it would have been like a nine-yard penalty. So, not a huge, like nine yards of field position. Not a huge deal. And the Vikings still would have been throwing a Hail Mary at the end. Um, the... Other thing is, I'm not sure about this. The broadcast mentioned this, and if you missed it, I'll relay what they said, which is depending on, I, I don't know what where we were in the timeline of changing possession, but between possessions, say after a punt or, or a turnover, uh, or a turnover on downs, you are allowed to take your helmet off. You're allowed to, if you're an offensive player and then they threw an interception, you can take your helmet off on your way back to the sideline. Uh, it's only in between plays that aren't change of possession where you can't take your helmet off and that's unsportsmanlike conduct. Um, so I think because it was the call on the field was turnover on downs and perhaps the flag would have then overturned that, but they hadn't announced that yet. I th it, there is a chance that we were still in, we were in the limbo world of um, being in a change of possession and taking the helmet off is not a penalty. Now, the ref went over to him and said, hey, put your helmet back on uh, and didn't throw the flag, which you might be really angry about, but I know that they train refs to warn and, you know, kind of say, hey, that's a penalty. Put your helmet on right now or I'm flagging you. And their goal is to get the helmet on. Their goal is not to catch every little infraction and, and generate as much value as possible for the Minnesota Vikings. So that kind of thing is going to happen. And that kind of thing happens way more often than you think. Uh, where there will be, uh, you know, a penalty being committed and they'll go, hey, don't do that. That's a penalty because ultimately a referee's goal is like a ref will be happier preventing penalties than calling them, or at least that's the way it should work, right? They should be telling guys, hey, you're off sides, go back so I don't have to flag you. That's not bias in helping a team that's preventing penalties. And I think that's the way that the, the refs should work. All of this is to say I'm not very mad at the refs. I, I get it with the, the hands to the face. I get frustration with DPI. I think there's a lot of purple-tinted bias in that, to be frank, with, with what I'm seeing people say right now. Uh, I think if we were on the other side of this, I, I don't think that we would... I think we would have uh, not really had a lot to say about it. But ultimately, think of the impact. Like, the actual impact in, like, win probability or whatever. What were the odds of a wobbly 4th and 12 that was definitely heaved up to nowhere, actually converting there if Legereus Need did not get a hand on Jordan Addison. That thing was a duck. That was an awful throw on a quarterback that got hit immediately for the second play in a row in a crucial situation. 
we maybe would have gotten bailed out. It would have been a bailout penalty. Now compare that, whatever you, whatever impact you think that has, whatever odds you have, you know, think of the, the win probability of getting that call and then multiply it by the percentage you think Jordan Addison had to make the, the play, right? Back of the envelope. Think about it. Now compare that to getting diced to hell on 10 plus plays three times in a row across halftime and only getting one three and out on the way back. What's the win probability on that? What's the win probability on fumbling in at midfield to open the game and giving up seven points, right? What, what was the uh, EPA impact there? Here's the deal. If we want to find the culprit, the reason the Vikings lost, it is every time going to be a factor that affected every play. Something like so-and-so wasn't playing well. So-and-so had a bad game plan, right? Kirk Cousins threw like six high passes. What was the impact on those? It's going to eclipse the impact on any like individual ref call that kind of could go either way. And ultimately, ref calls, those judgment calls especially, are luck. You're going to get some, you're not going to get some. And to blame the refs, I think obfuscates the real actual issues with not only the Vikings team, but the Vikings organization that have caused this loss. So I'm going to focus on those. And as we go through the weekend or through the, through the week, and I analyze this game more with the tape and all that, I am going to look at the things the players actually did. And I'll bet you dollars to donuts, they blow out the impact of a ticky tack DPI penalty. Absolutely. Even if it were a big, you know, play that that overturned a third down. Um that just is always going to be a bigger deal. So I'm going to put my energy there. And if you want to join me in that, you can hang out with me on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You can hang out with me too on patreon.com slash NFL, where I post a lot of these things. You can now see what I did for the Carolina game, Marcus Davenport review, as well as uh some offensive line tape you guys might like. Um, I will see you all tomorrow for Twitter Tuesday. So get your questions into me, Twitter uh, at LukeBronNFL or at LockdownVikings and the Google form in the show notes or email me a longer form question if you have it at LockdownVikingsPodcast at gmail.com. Leave a YouTube comment too. I'll read those. I'll see y'all tomorrow. And as always, skull.